Hello and welcome again to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and ultimately enjoy more money. So I want to talk today about the welfare system, that is the state system that provides pensions, healthcare and all the rest of it. I want to ask you, is the welfare system broke or broken? And if so, what are you going to do to fund your retirement and your old age? Now let me take you back a bit to, to, to my story. You know, I grew up in London uh, when, you know, in a part of London called Camden when it wasn't so trendy. It was quite a poor area, actually. And it was an area where a lot of migrants went to when they arrived in the UK, as my parents did. Uh, and, you know, there were lots of bedsits and houses where, you you know, it was split into rooms. So there, were cheap, there was cheap accommodation around and there was jobs around. And a lot of people would come over from places like um, Ireland, where my family come over on, on the boat to Hollyhead. Uh, you know, an arduous journey. And, you know, there was, in Ireland at the time, it was a very poor country. There was little opportunity, you know, widespread poverty. And I went to school with first-generation migrants from places like Cyprus, in, you know, in Camden, a lot of Cypriots, Greek Cypriots, India, East Africa, Caribbean, parts of Africa, uh, lots of different countries. And later on, I saw an, a wave of immigration coming in from places like Uganda, where Remember Idi Amin kicking out all the Indian Asians from, from the countries and they're taking all the money, you know, so they kicked them all out and the country went downhill. Uh, and, and they were, you know, come over to the UK at that time. And also a lot of immigration from the Philippines in the 70s, 80s and, and 90s, uh, going into nursing, healthcare and that sort of thing. So, you know, I've seen a lot of this come over and, and I, I grew up in, in immigrant communities. So I've seen you know, from my own experience, how those people lived and, and worked and got on. And I, I noticed a couple of things. Uh, I, I noticed that they, they tended to buy their own homes. They bought their own properties rather than relying on council housing, which was quite prevalent in those days. You could fairly easily get a council flat in, in the 70s anyway. Um, so they, they tended to buy their own house, perhaps because... You know, I remember my mother going and talking to the council. Well, no, we can't give you houses because that's for the for, for the for the English people that have been here, not not for you who've just come over here. And you know, my mum sort of accepted that and said, "Well, okay, you know, I'll accept that." So, you know, perhaps because of that, or perhaps they didn't know the system, they tended to to buy uh, their own their own property. Um, you know, and and that so that's one thing I noticed from my own experience, my own anecdotal observations, and. Like some of my own family did, uh, they rented out a part of their house, rented out a room, took in a lodger to help make ends meet or, or pay their mortgage. You know, and sometimes they found that the rent would often cover their mortgage and enable them to save a bit of money and then maybe buy another house. Ah, does that sound familiar? Now, it was inconvenient for them. Of course, they couldn't have their, their own space and they had to put up with a bit of uncomfortable inconveniences. But, you know, it wasn't that bad and it did help them to, to get on a bit. Right. So just I'll come back to that in a while. Uh, so so that's you know, that's that's how I, I've noticed things. Now, they also had a tendency to start their own business, again, based on my own observations, perhaps because they couldn't find a job that utilized their own education or skills from their own country. And this has been a, always been a big problem for migrants. They've come over here with a degree. And the system here says, no, we don't accept your degree. Your degree that you've studied for four years is actually only equivalent to a HNC, Higher National Certificate or a Diploma. 
So what are you talking about? You know, how do you know? And I think many of the, uh, the, the educational establishments and the, uh, the, the jobs for the professions have been a bit of a closed shop and, and still is in many ways. You know, they don't accept qualifications from some certain countries without making them jump through hoops. And, I, you know, but that's another another subject. But, you know, perhaps because of that, they, they decided to start their own their own business. Perhaps people start fun of them. Oh, you're open to corner shop. If you're Indian, you're open, you're open to corner shop. You know, but that helped them get on. Uh, because they could earn more money than people in in a job, and you know, so I, I also noticed that they worked harder than most people. They they seemed to be always working. They had two, three jobs. Um, you know, many people I know personally had three jobs. They they didn't just work in one job. They had a weekend job, an evening job, a part time job. They were always working and and saving money, perhaps rather than spending it. They they weren't people who went out to the pub so much. They 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 tended to work, go home, be with the family and put a bit of money aside and then buy a property or, or whatever they did with their money. You know, so that contrasted at the time. And I'm not saying everybody, but at the time, that con con that contrasted with the, the mentality of the people that, you know, I grew up with in London that had this mentality of that the government would, would look after us. And that was based on what was called the, the the welfare state, the cradle to grave welfare state that was brought in after the war. They were told by the government, or we were told by the government, that they would be looked after from the time they were born, the cradle, until they were buried, the grave, cradle to grave. Everything was going to be free, you know, health care, education, university with grants, you know, elderly care. If you, if you can't look after yourself in elder, we'll put you in a, a council-run nursing home. Uh, and, and people would pay taxes and national insurance contribution, which was supposed to provide for their pension in old age, right? So they also had the safety net, the unemployment benefit system and the sickness benefit system, which meant that they were paid if they're unemployed or couldn't work. Now, this is still here today, but it was that, that mentality that, you know, the council will do something about it. The government will do something about it. And, you know, I lived in a council flat when I was young and people felt, you know, that everything had to be repaired by the council. You know, it's not my job, it's the council. Or, um, you know, the council will sort that rubbish out that's lying there. And, and that was the, the, the general mentality that the government, the council, somebody else would look after me, somebody else would take care of it, someone else was responsible for that, for that problem. They didn't take so much personal responsibility. And even during my, uh, when I started working, during my early years in financial services, People would often come up to me and say things like, well, you know, I'd say to them, look, you know, you, you're not saving enough for your retirement. You know, when you retire, you're not going to have enough to live on. And they say, well, what are we worried about it? The, you know, the government will look after me if I don't have enough pension savings. Or they'd say, the state will look after my wife and children if I die without insurance. Like people said this to me, you know, the state will look after them. You know, in many ways, they were correct. You know, the state does look after you and it does provide people without pensions some sort of benefit in in retirement and you know th that that is true but you know at what cost you know you're not going to live the life that you want to now the mature times a newspaper called the mature times recently quoted a report i've, I've got the got the article here by the mature times they recently re uh, quoted a report by canada life which said that almost two in five pensioners or 38 percent of claimants actually receive less than 150 pounds a week. And that worked out to about 365,000 people. And, you know, I mean, can you live on 150 pounds a week? Now, you can probably survive on it, but can you really live comfortably on what the state pension 
provides or what benefits you'd get from the state pension because it you know that that's that's the reality of it and this is why we hear of pensioners freezing to death in the winter uh, and, and this is true i mean i know someone in in the funeral business who said his best time is is after a cold winter uh, so it, it is a fact freezing to death in the winter or having to make the choice between food or heat right this is a fact now most people again will blame the government you hear people on TV, but the government shouldn't do this is a scandal and all this sort of stuff yeah okay the government has a part to play but the fact is we all have the opportunity to work and save during our lifetime right we, we have a, a span of maybe 40 years of working and at which time, you know, we, we should have saved some money so that you can live for another 20 or 30 years. Is, is that is that making sense? I mean, it makes sense to me because you know, most people think they'll be retiring at 60, 65 and it's quite feasible that you can live into your 80s. So you need some money there, don't you? Um, yeah, there'll be a state pension, but that's a very minimal amount that you need. You still need more on top of whatever the state pension will provide. And furthermore, the amount that people pay, most people pay in their taxes, hardly covers what the government needs to spend and keep everybody safe, healthy, you know, the NHS, right? Educated, schools, uh, these are huge budgets. And, and keep people, keep the public, you know, the, the, the electorate happy during their, their lifetime, you know, let alone have enough to, to provide them with incomes for another 20 or possibly 30 years in retirement. So in other words, the taxes that most people pay, uh, especially if you're on a low income, doesn't cover it all. You know, if you gave all the tax back that you'd paid, uh, you know, it probably wouldn't be enough to, to, to live on for, for, for a good few years in retirement. And, and people don't seem to get that. You know, low paid people now don't pay any tax. They pay very little tax uh, on on you know, a, a minimum wage income, you don't pay much, you still pay national insurance, but you don't pay much tax. And if you've got a couple of kids at school, well, all that tax is spent, isn't it? That's gone, that money. Well, it's no good saying, well, I've worked all my life and now I haven't got a pension, so the government has to give me that money. No, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah, there's a safety net there uh, and, and there's a minimal pension provided, but don't, you know, don't get this idea that your taxes are really, um, you know, provided everything and you've overpaid somehow into the system and didn't get it back because in actual fact it doesn't it doesn't really work that you know governments um have to borrow to, to keep everything going don't they They have to borrow every year just to pay everything and that, that's basically because the taxes they've got coming in is not paying enough to cover all the interest on the debts and 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 all the rest of it and all the, the government expenditure so uh that that's my opinion the welfare state system and, and that system at the moment is broken and unsustainable. And this is why really successive governments have had to change the rules, move the goalposts, retirement ages have increased. People have had to sell their homes to pay for elderly care in nursing homes. You know, a nursing homes, 25, 30,000 a year. People now can't just expect to uh, get, get, get old and say, well, I want free nursing care. No, they'll, they'll take your home to pay for it. And, and this is just a fact of life. Um, you know, now university is no longer free, apart from Scotland, it's no longer free in England and Wales. So, you know, people have to pay for it through through a loan system or, or up front. You know, as I said, most governments have to borrow. And this is not, you know, unique to the UK. Governments have got the same sort of problems. Um, and if the country's not paying its way as it done in the past, then they have to top it up with borrowings. 
So, and when we all talk about the government, have got the government should spend and the government should do this. What we're really talking about is, is our money, is the money that we're paying in taxes and the businesses pay in taxes. So, so that's it. You know, the government hasn't got this magic fund, and there's no oil wells in the ground to, to sustain everybody. You know, that's it. We have to produce, and you know, we pay taxes, and and that, that those taxes are used to provide, you know, the streets and the. And, and all the things that go into the things that things we haven't really built but have to be maintained and the roads and the, the police and the army and the nurses and the teachers and all the rest of it has to be paid for, doesn't it? So, you know, what... And, and if you look back at when the, the welfare system was devised and, you know, I've covered this in previous podcasts on, on the tension, pensions time bomb, as I call it. You know, you look at that time and it was it's estimated that people would, you know, live for less than five years in retirement. You know, it wasn't that long ago when men were, were, were you know, the, the lifespan of a man, you know, in the last century, it wasn't that long ago when it was only 45 or 50 years old. Now, they also calculated the number of people working would be able to support the number in people in retirement. Because the fund, there's no state fund. What the, 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 the pension system and the welfare system is, is funded out of current taxes. It's not saved up for your retirement. So... You know, there has to be enough people working and paying taxes to pay for people in retirement. Now, both, so these assumptions that were devised when the system was, was, was uh, made are, are way out of date now. Um, you know, the, the people now are living far longer and on average and, and more people in retirement than ever before. So the, the worrying thing is about the ratio of people, which I'll go into in more detail. As in most developed countries, especially in Europe, you know, advances in medicine and diets and, and, and exercise have contributed to citizens living longer. And the trend is set to continue. I've got some figures here. By 2050, the proportion of UK population aged 65 and over is projected to reach at least a quarter or just under a quarter, 24 percent, up from 17 percent in 2012 that doesn't sound a lot but it's it's a lot of people and that's according to figures by the ONS office for national statistics and the fastest increases actually in, in will be among the people in what they call the oldest age the proportion of people aged 85 and over are forecast to treble from 2% to 6% now this is an actuarial thing if you if you live the longer you live the the, the longer you're expected to live if you know what i mean uh, so you know, this is, you know, academics now saying this will, this evolving demographic demographic changes will affect everyone in society regardless of age because it all has to be paid for. And, and the even bigger problem is that the proportion reaching retirement age, as it, as it grows, the proportion of people reaching retirement age, the number of working people will shrink due to birth rate decline. Now, this is, is true here and it's also true in places like Germany. This is a concern because the UK state pension Payments are funded through taxation and national insurance from those of working age. Now, I've got some figures here. Tax revenue from those in work could fall uh, to keep up with demand for Social Security, health care. I mean, the demands for, for health care are growing and growing. As new medicines come in, new, new techniques uh, come in, people want these things. So that, that's going to grow. It will never end. And... Uh, there's someone here called David Sinclair from the International Longevity Centre UK. Yes, there's an International Longevity Centre UK. And he said that the number of people of working age to every pensioner 
uh, or the old age support ratio is forecast to fall from 2.9 22.9 by 2050 from 3.3 in the mid 70s to 2006. So in other words, uh, you know, one person in retirement for less than three people working, and and maybe 50, 60, 70, 100 years ago it was more like four for every one working. It's it's projected just in the next you know 30 odd years to fall below three people working to support every person in retirement. So in other words, tax revenue from those, that group will, will continue to, may continue to fall and keep up with demand for all of these things that we have to pay for. This will force governments, says Mr. Sinclair, to make some tough choices. To a certain extent, the government have tried to make some tough choices, but it doesn't win them votes and, and make them very popular, like, like with universal credit. Um, given this problem, that the government has already pushed back the qualification age for state pension is 67. I'm affected by this. Um, currently, the state pension was was 65, and it, it's been it, it used to be 60 for women. It's been equalised now. Um, it's taken just steps to avoid big shortfalls in pension savings through automatic enrolments. If you're in a job now, you'll, you'll probably be automatically enrolled into a to a, a workplace workplace pension. And this was introduced three years ago. 2% of work, workers' qualification earnings is saved into a pension uh, comprised of a, a, a contribution also from the employer uh, and it will eventually rise up to about 8% by 2000, uh, you know, as you, as you go along. But I, I don't think this is really going to be enough and the type of pension that they're, they're investing in is a pension that is relying largely on the stock market to grow. So workers have been gradually encouraged or nudged into savings but left unprepared for the complex choices about how to uh, fund for their pension pots and, and what to do in retirement. So 5 million people have now been enrolled into this pension scheme, but there is a concern over the reforms of whether it's enough and uh, blah, blah, blah. Now, you can also take your own pension scheme. You can join a company pension scheme and contribute that yourself. But, you know, most people when they're young haven't always got the, the amount of money they need to fund into a pension scheme. And I've talked about this in my earlier podcast. Uh, so, so those are some of the facts. Now, look, you, you can find out for yourself um, what your state pension is likely to be. You go online to the Department of Work and Pensions or the DWP for, for a, a forecast. And as I said, you can top up your, your own pension yourself. So is the welfare system broken, as I said in, in the headline? Well, maybe it's not completely broken yet, but it's certainly creaking at the edges. It needs a real major refit or an overhaul. But unfortunately, it's only been tinkered with and patched up by successive governments because they don't want to tell it like it is. It's not very popular, um, as with universal credit. You know, even recently, they've, they've removed the um, TV licenses for the over 75s. Now, you know, TV license, I think, is about £8 a month, but it's been an uproar. I mean, there's, there's a campaign now to stop that decision. So, you know, I, I expect that what will happen in, in reality is that we'll muddle along for a while and, you know, for the next few years and for the next few decades, and they'll, they'll patch it up here, make a few changes there, but they won't really take any proper action to deal with the pensions time bomb or the elderly care problem. I mean, I haven't even touched on elderly care and social care, which is another's pandora's box altogether uh, so in the meantime what i can only suggest to you is that you better start rowing your own boat you know 
not relying on the state or or an employer to look after you. You you've, you know you're on your own now. You've got to do something for yourself. Now, you know there's another theory that maybe the the centuries-old party is over for the West as the the East goes strong grows stronger now and takes more of the economy, more of our lunch away. You know this could you know this is a another theory. I I don't know. I mean the 16-year-old Swedish climate campaigner Greta Thunberg said, "Why should the rest of the world suffer so we can live in luxury?" Okay, that was related to a climate thing, but it but it also relates to an economic thing. You know, many of the the, the rest of the world in the developing world, the third world, are living in 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 poverty that we we you know we we couldn't even imagine, uh, and and that that has to change. So you know, th- there's going to be a lot of changes in the next few years, and you know, what can you do about it? Well, you know, getting back to my earlier story, when I talked about migrants coming here and buying houses and renting out rooms, you might say, well, that was all right then. You can't do that now. It's not so easy now. Well, I I think you'd be wrong about that. Um, The same opportunities to invest in property are available to you today. And in fact, it's much easier to get in property than it was a few years ago. For instance, mortgages are easier to obtain. Interest rates are lower. There are buy-to-let mortgages available, which were not available then. You know, you had to go to a bank and get a commercial loan at a very expensive rate. You can rent out a room tax-free. I think it's seven and a half thousand a year. It might have gone up. Um, and there are training courses available to help you learn how to build a property portfolio and, and maybe secure an income for your retirement, even without putting any money down. Now, of those, I think the last point is the most important. When when my uncle's migrated here there was no training courses on property nobody told you how to get a mortgage or how to buy a property where to start you know how to do the legal side you know how, how to do anything you know they had to learn by trial and error and, and I had to do the same thing when I got into property so I wish I'd had courses available to me because it could have accelerated my progress much faster and avoided you know helping to me to avoid a lot of mistakes that I made in the early days and since I've started to attend courses it's really opened up in some ways blew my mind and, and opened up my eyes to a world of opportunity. So these courses are available. If you'd like some information on a beginner's property taster course that you could go on to perhaps get you into property, then click on the link below if there is one, or if not, uh, email me at charles at charleskelly.net. Now there are other things you can do uh, to, to boost your retirement, and I've gone through those in earlier podcasts. So just, just have a listen to those you know, it's about starting part-time businesses, it's about getting into property, it's about just saving. So listen to that. And I also cover these things in my book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. I talk about this in the book and I give you lots of suggestions as to how you can, you know, boost your income, not just for retirement, but for now. You know, you've got to live for now as well. So have a look at that. And as I said, think about those those taster courses. There's some coming up in the next few weeks. So get back to me. And thank you for listening. This has been Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest and accumulate and enjoy more money.